Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Leadership is one of those topics that I really, really enjoy speaking with people about, especially on the show. I love unboxing uh, the stories of so many amazing leaders around the world. And if they're not generated specifically to the title saying this is this person is going to talk about leadership, everyone is a leader in some capacity. Whether you're not, you want to be a good one or a bad one, that is ultimately your choice. So whenever I get the chance to have a deeper conversation with someone who presents a new idea of about leadership, because the, the topic is so vast and expansive, uh, you could talk about it for, for weeks and still not cover everything. But if I can have the opportunity to speak with someone who presents a new part that about leadership that I didn't know before, then I'm definitely down for that. And my next guest is someone who is going to teach you about how to become a smarter leader. In his new book, he's got called Smart Leadership. His name is Mark Miller. Now, for those of you that don't know who Mark is, he started over 40 years ago working as an hourly employee at the local Chick-fil-A. He has worked all across the business since then and currently serves as the Vice President of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A. For the last 20 years, Mark has traveled the United States and the world, focusing much of his time on serving leaders, helping them grow themselves, their teams, and their organizations. And he's pretty damn good at it to say that. <laughs> Let me just say, I think you guys are going to love this conversation to come. But in his new book, Smart Leadership, Mark shares uh, research-based smart choices the best leaders make to scale their influence and make results possible. This will be Mark's 10th book, believe it or not, that he is either authored or co-authored. And get this, all of Mark's books have been about leadership in some capacity, which I thought was pretty admirable to say the least. 
But my friends, do yourself a favor as well and go and get a copy of Mark's new book. I think you guys are going to really love this conversation to come. And you'll also love if you have an interest in being a better leader, then definitely get a copy of his book. I'll make sure that all the links will be in the show notes below for you guys. But also share this one around if you do get something from the conversation. Let Mark know what you think about it. Also let me know what you think about it. And I hope to have better, more deeper and more meaningful conversations with more and more leaders as the years progress for sure. So my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories than none other, Mark Miller. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited about your book, so we'll, we'll want to talk more about that later. <laughs> yeah, maybe off air. <laughs> Today's about okay, you, my maybe. friend, and your incredible okay, work, okay. but I, I am so grateful for all the things that you are doing in the world. And the moment I did hear about what you're doing in your new book, I immediately had to say yes, I have to get him on. I have to unbox his story. And and you got a lot of experience. And one of the best teachers, I believe, is experience. But before we dive further into your backstory and all, all things, my very first question for you is a question that I normally love starting off with all my guests, which is, what does success look like for you? Well, I think success is trying to figure out what you were born to do and do that. I, I don't think it's more complicated than that. I know that it can be difficult and, and the path can be obscured, but I don't think it's something out there as much as I think it's something in you. And when you can, when you can connect what you were born to do with what you actually do, I think uh, there's a, an integration there that, that creates a, a great life. How long did it take you to figure out for yourself what you were indeed born to do? Well, for me, and I can't speak for others, but it's been a bit of progressive revelation. Um, I think early in my life, as, as with many other people, it's really about learning and it's about growing. And I was trying to add more value. And so as I began to experiment with different ways of adding value in the world, I was able to see what resonated with others, what brought a good return, what resonated in my own spirit. And then I moved towards those things. But I, it, I don't think it's something for, for me that happened in a moment, but it happened over time. Are there any specific markers that you can look out for to know specifically like this is what you're meant to be doing? I think there's a, there's a strong sense of personal satisfaction. And I think there's some level of success. Now, that doesn't mean that, that I would expect others, nor did I expect myself to be fully formed and, and to be really great at something, but you can see signs of success. You can see people responding to your leadership, or if you're in another field, if, if you like to write music, it's when people say, Hey, that's good. Now they may say that's bad. That's bad. That's bad. But when they say that's good, you say, okay, maybe, maybe there's something here. Uh, if, if you're an artist, if you're a teacher and, and, or a communicator and people say, Hey, you're, you're good at that mm. or you've got potential. I think potential is a sign that you might be on the right path. And I encourage people to pursue that potential and, and refine it and hone it and see if you can turn that potential into performance. 
But if you can find something that resonates in your spirit, something that, that you get fulfillment from, and you have a modicum of success, I think you could be on the right path. Yeah, I agree with you. And I like how you brought up potential because part of this show and part of what I love doing is helping people reach their full potential through the power of stories. And I often feel like for a lot of people, they get stuck and they don't really understand how they're able to reach their full potential in the first place. They think that it's too hard to actually get there in the first place. And I'm curious, like, how can we help guide people to reaching their full potential? Is there a particular story in your own life that helped you reach your full potential? Yes, I'll, I'll, um, I'll go back a long, long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, a long time. It was probably within my first year in, in the workplace. I had a leader that helped me understand that my capacity to grow would determine my capacity to lead. Mm. My capacity to grow would determine my capacity to lead. Now, that may not even sound revolutionary to you or your listeners, but let me tell you why that mattered to me. It made sense because he began to explain, if you want more opportunities, if you want more influence, if you want more impact, then this is the path. It's, it's a path paved with personal growth. And again, I'm not sure that's a revolutionary concept. I was sharing this with a group not too long ago, and somebody said, well, listen, that's probably easy for you. And I said, okay, which part of that do you think is easy? And they said, well, I bet you're a learner. I don't know if you're familiar with Strength Finders, Marcus Buckingham's work, yeah. where you take a test and it tells you what you're good at. Well, learner is one of his, I think they're 30 some odd attributes. And, you know, honestly, learner is not in my top five. It's not in my top 10. I'm not sure it's in my top 25. Wow. And I was telling this person this story and they said, well, that's odd. They said, because you act like a learner. And I said, well, thank you very much. I made a decision over 40 years ago. I said, if this is how the world works and I want more influence, I want more impact, I want more opportunity, then I'm going to commit to lifelong learning. I think that's all we can do. And it's changed everything. Now, my parents wish I had had that revelation much earlier because I was a lousy student, but I had not decided that that was the lifestyle that I was going to pursue. I mean, I'd rather listen to the radio in the car, but I've mm. made a choice and I'm going to listen to podcasts or I'm going to listen to books. I'm going to listen to talks because I want more influence. I want more opportunity. And so I, I encourage people it's, it's the best decision you'll never regret yep. to take one step at a time. Now, last, last thought on this, when I was explaining this to these, this group of people, somebody said, okay, wait a minute, you're telling me if I grow, I'll, I'll get promoted. I said, no, I'm not telling you that at all. I said, you control your readiness. The organization you serve controls your opportunities. Mm. That doesn't mean you can't change organizations, but there's no guaranteed if I do this, then that's going to happen. If I do this, that's going to happen. But I can say that if you're not ready, they're not going to put you in the game. I mean, think about it in a sporting context. If you're not a starter and they need somebody to go in, if the coach looks at the bench and sees you and says, he's not ready, she's not ready, you don't even get on the field. Mm -hmm. So I have just tried to spend my life 
getting ready for those opportunities that that come forward. So mm. I would just encourage folks, don't think about 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now and how hard that's going to be. Think about what can I learn today? Yeah. How can I grow today? Yeah. And the, the compounding effect of that, it's like compounding interest. Yeah. And you would be shocked at what you can learn over a lifetime. 100%. I can relate to everything you just said in the sense that I had to make the commitment not that long ago, actually, because I'm still relatively young, uh, to persistently make the commitment daily to be a lifelong learner. Like it doesn't stop for me. And I am, I always say that I am forever curious and I don't, I'm not afraid to be curious. I'm not afraid to ask questions to people because that's how I learn. That's how I grow. And it kind of brings a sense of humility. And I think that the best leaders are those humble leaders. But I want to go back to potential for a moment and ask you, okay, for, for those people that don't actually know, because we hear the term potential, but what is really potential and how does that apply to leadership in the first place? Well, I talk a lot about untapped potential and, mm. and what we're trying to do is release that untapped potential in ourselves and in others. And I just think there is tremendous um, power. There's tremendous opportunity resident in every human being. Mm. But you've got you've to find the right fit. You've got to find the right role. And then the person has to be willing to bring their best to that situation. Right. And so I, I like to help people see what they could become. Yeah. And then they'll have to decide if they want to put in the work to either prove me right or prove me wrong. Mm. So I'm, I'm about um, inspiring people. And, and I, I don't mean that in a motivational sense, but to, to give them the, the courage to take a next step, yeah. give, give them hope, give them optimism to see what is inside of them. Mm. And I don't I don't think most of us know. I think there's still untapped potential in all of us, even men and women I know who've who've done far more than I have and devoted their lives to releasing that untapped potential. And then you hear of somebody else who's been able to do even more. I say, wow, there's there's probably more in there. There's probably more value that I can add to the world. So I think it's that belief in a future without the fear that it may not come to fruition. Mm. So I want to dive into your story for a moment and, and speaking about untapped potential. Um, so can you share the, the story of how you got started in your career and, and did you know back then that you had all this untapped potential that would in fact be realized and lead you to where you are today? No, I didn't. I didn't know. And I, you know, there are people who are probably gifted with that knowledge early in life. It sounds like you are. Uh, <laughs> I, I did not know. I did not know early on. I did make that decision when I was a little bit younger than you that, hey, I'm going to be a learner and see mm -hmm. where this goes. So I made a commitment to the process. So that was that was a real defining moment for me. Another defining moment was just over 20 years ago when I was asked to try and help our organization um, increase the, 
the speed at which we were developing leaders. We, we needed more leaders faster. And I tell people that the modern era of leadership development really began about 20 years ago for us, because prior to that, we were, we were uh, reliant on a, a process that I would more liken to immersion and osmosis. And it was like emerging leaders, they better pay attention. They'll make themselves known. And I can even argue at a certain scope and scale, that probably works. I had the privilege to sit around the table with some very talented leaders. I was the 16th corporate employee, and we had lunch together in a big table. Uh, and I got to sit there with the CEO and the CFO and the COO. We all had lunch together. And I'm just a kid working in the warehouse, but I'm taking notes and I'm paying attention. And so I learned a lot of leadership that way. But we got 20 years into that and we, we didn't have a strong leadership bench. You know, we looked over our shoulder and said, uh-oh, you know, I hope this person can lead in the future. Maybe this person will be ready in a few years. And it really created stress and strain. I call it cracks in the system because most organizations, when you have an opportunity uh, to seize or a problem to solve, you put a leader on it. Mm -hmm. Well, the bench was, was weak. So we just kept giving stuff to our existing leaders, which again is a short-term fix, but it's a long-term recipe for disaster because you'll burn out those women and men. And then, and then you're really in a pickle. And so I was asked to try and solve this. And how do we accelerate leadership development? So long story, um, I put together a team of really smart people and we started trying to figure out how to accelerate leadership development in our organization. And that was, that was a defining moment because as we began to explore that, uh, there was a lot of interest outside our organization. Um, Ken Blanchard, I don't know if your audience will know that name. He's most famous for his book, The One Minute Manager, which has probably sold, yeah. who knows, 20 million copies. Um, I was talking with Ken about the work we were doing. And the first thing out of his mouth was, this has got to be a book. And I kind of blew him off. And I said, Ken, everything looks like a book to you, which is why he's probably sold 50 million books in all. I said, you don't understand. We're just trying to accelerate leadership development. And he said, well, you don't understand. I said, okay, what don't I understand? He said, you guys were trying to articulate what great leaders do in your organization. What you've done is you've articulated what great leaders have done throughout history. Mm. And that's got to be a book. And so I tell people I'm the accidental author. He and I decided to do a book and it was called The Secret. We published it almost 20 years ago and it's now in 25 languages and not because it's a great book, but because it's true and it's valid. And, and it's built on timeless principles. And so that was a defining moment when I realized that writing would be a potential mechanism for me to serve leaders. Mm. And how many books have you gone on to write? I've published 10 and I have uh, eight field guides. Some people count those as books and some don't. And I'm working on four more right now. So. You're not stopping. <laughs> you just keep I'm on going. Stopping. <laughs> so my goal, my goal is to be gaining speed when I when I cross the finish line. I love that. Yeah. No slowing down for you, my friend. Yeah. No slowing down. I, I feel the same way, even though I'm like, yeah, 25. <laughs> so, but I don't I don't want to slow down at all. And I think that's 
that's a good thing. Uh, constantly learning as much as you can. But I'm curious, like, are all these books that you've written on different topics or on the same similar topics? They're all about leadership, wow. various facets of leadership. There's that many facets of leadership. <laughs> oh, there's so many facets. So I've got, just help you understand a little bit. So I've got one on self-leadership, which is about leadership character. Uh, I've got one on the fundamentals of leadership, which is the one Ken and I did. I've got one on teams. I've got one on building a high-performance organization. I've got one on building a leadership culture. I've got one on, um, it's called Talent Magnet. It's about selecting and attracting great people and so forth and so on. Uh, my new book, of course, that we're going to talk about here is called Smart Leadership. I really think it's about leadership effectiveness. It's not trying to teach someone to lead. It's trying to teach someone who already knows how to lead, how to be more effective. Two questions coming from this. Is one, one of those attributes more important than the other? And secondly, do you ever get sick and tired of teaching this? Okay, so let's start with your first question. Uh, leadership character is most important. Yeah. Uh, our picture of leadership is an iceberg. Mm -hmm. And about 10%, as you know, is above, and about 90% is below. Well, mm -hmm. the 10% above represents the skills, and the 90% below represents the character. Yeah. And so I believe that if your heart's not right, nobody cares about your skills. So I think that's most important, but, but you can still fail for lack of skills. And, and so I'm going, I'm going to keep talking about both. The world is, is more interested in hearing the skill message because it meets what they perceive to be a current present day challenge. Yeah. And I'm delighted to try and help there. But yeah. if your heart's not right, nobody cares about your skills. And you probably know leaders who have the skills that people don't want to follow. It's not because of a skill gap. It's because people don't trust their character. So I think that's actually most important is, is the whole character piece. Now, the second question, do I ever get tired of doing this? Uh, again, I think it's why I'm on the planet. We talked about what is success. I think I'm here to encourage and equip leaders. Mm -hmm. And so if that's why I'm here, then I hope I never get tired of it. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> uh, but going into the character aspect, what should we look out for in the character? Because we got good leaders with good character traits that reflect good positive leadership. And then we got the complete opposite. So what should we look out for in the sense of good leaders in their character and the same for bad leaders? Well, let me, let me start by clarifying terms. Um, when I talk about character, I'm actually not talking about don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Yep. That's foundational. Yep. You want everybody to have that type of character. What I'm talking about is leadership character, because I think fundamentally leaders are different. Now, I don't for a minute think they're better, but they're wired differently. They just they just are different. They see the world differently. They think differently and they have different marks on their character. Yeah. So as an example, I would tell you that leaders hunger for wisdom. Mm. Leaders expect the best. Yeah. Leaders accept responsibility. Leaders respond with courage. And the best leaders think others first. That spells H-E-A-R-T. Mm. 
the heart of leadership is the book I wrote about that. It's it, because if your heart's not right, nobody cares about your skills. Yeah. And, and if, if we find so many leaders who struggle with the, the execution of leadership or followership, and the root problem is not that they don't know how to build a team or run a meeting or cast vision. It's people don't want to follow them. And if you can cultivate those traits that we just reviewed very, very quickly, you can become a leader people want to follow. Yeah. A leader that has the humility you talked about, and, and they, they hunger for wisdom. A leader that has an optimistic spirit, they expect the best. You, you see where this is going. Yeah. Uh, even a leader that thinks others first, that doesn't take all the credit, right? They'll take the blame, but they're quick to give the, the praise and the credit. We can become a leader that people want to follow. And to me, that's a character issue. So leading into the smart leadership aspect, does that mean, is that what you're really alluding to with this new concept of smart leadership is you've got all the character and you've got all the other leadership attributes that you did mention previously. Yeah. Is that the definition of really a smart leader? Nope. No, nope. I got it wrong. So, here's where we're going. No, but that's a good guess. I mean, I thought you were there, but, but here, here, you wouldn't know this. Here, here's the way I framed it. There are so many leaders who have character and skill that are struggling. Yeah. Smart leadership is for those men and women. It's not a book about how to develop your skills. It's not even a book about how to enhance your character. It's really about leadership effectiveness. Uh-huh. Think about a major league athlete that wants to work on a part of their game. They're already an athlete. They're already on the team. The men and women who will who will most benefit from this book, I believe, are those who are already in leadership positions, but they want to be more effective. Yeah. Uh, in, in the beginning of the book, I talk about quicksand. That's the metaphor that we use. And I think quicksand has only gotten worse in the last 24 months, but it existed before COVID. We talked to so many leaders. This project started before COVID. And we talked to leaders, there was busyness and distraction and complexity. I mean, some of the the data is staggering. There's a 12-year-old, a 12-year study that just came out of Harvard not too long ago. CEOs are spending over 70% of their time in meetings. Now, I'm not anti-meeting, but most of the meetings in the world are, are a waste of time. So if you're spending a lot of time in meetings and they're not good meetings, that's quicksand. Yeah. Or the um, phone. We open our phone on average pre-COVID 150 times a day, and we swipe or click over 2,600 times a day. It's like, it's like, are you kidding me? Distractions. On average, an office worker, back when people went to offices, they were distracted every three minutes. Yeah. The problem with that is the psychologists tell us it takes 20 minutes to regain focus and mental acuity. <laughs> so that, what that means is you're going through your whole day without focus. Now, as I talk about all this and talk about quicksand, and I literally had some leaders when we were doing the research said, yeah, I hear all that, but that's not my problem. I said, okay, what's holding you back? Yeah. What's keeping you from scaling your influence? Then we got another set of answers. We got answers like fear, mm-hmm. fatigue, aimlessness, right? The success, crazy stuff. So we said, Quicksand is the metaphor of anything that's holding a leader back. So once we figured that out, we said, well, that's obviously the problem. 
Mm. So let's go study leaders who have been able to get out and for the most part, stay out because we can all slip back into it from time to time. But smart leaders are the ones that know how to get out. Well, here's what we discovered. The quicksand is not the problem. We're the problem because we can get out. And if we don't choose to get out, then it's on us. Now, the quicksand's real, but we're the culprit. We're the villain. And so we studied all these leaders and said, how do they get out? How do they increase their effectiveness? To, to take the analogy, you know, to its logical conclusion, how do you get on the high ground? Because you can lead best from there. Yeah. And what yeah. we discovered is there are four choices that these leaders make. So smart leaders are the ones that make smart choices. I like it. And I like how you brought up the, the focus aspect. I'm reading a book from my friend, Johan Hari. He's got a book called Stolen Focus. Okay, and I need to read that. You need to read it. I'm about halfway through at the moment. He sent me an earlier copy. I was kind of like diving into your book and then reading his book. And then I love how you just brought in the focus aspect because it was coming to my mind (laughs) as you're talking about it. But it is such an interesting deep dive into how our focus really has been stolen from us. We haven't like over the course of our lives, we have just, it's subtly just been taken away from right. us with the advent of technology. We're not saying that these things are inherently bad, but right. it is in essence, once our focus is taken away from us, then we can become, and I've, I've been seeing this as a whole uh, in the world with the kind of leaders that we do have, you can see the lack of focus. You can see the lack of vision. You can see the lack of, of empathy, of compassion, of, of all these things that's going on in our world. And it's, it's saddening, but I think that there needs to be this, this change of being more smart, being more effective in that change. And you're right, it is that choice, but you mentioned four choices that people need to make. And I'll, I'll be remiss if I didn't ask, what are those four choices that we need to make? All right, so I'll hit them really, really quick, and then we can we can go back and talk about any of them you'd like. I, you know, obviously in the book, I had the opportunity to to write several supporting chapters yep. to go with each choice. So, so the book's full of tactics, but we'll we'll let the time dictate how far we go today. Four choices. The first choice is to confront reality, because when you confront reality, you'll stay grounded in truth. And you can always lead from a position of strength. There are so many leaders for any number of reasons that are unwilling to confront reality. Mm. And and that's the first choice. If you're not willing to make that choice, then you can just kiss the whole idea of effectiveness goodbye because you'll be living in a a delusional state. So that's, that's the first choice. The second choice is to grow capacity to grow capacity. And this is personal capacity. This is organizational capacity. You've you've got to have enough capacity to meet the demands of the moment and the future. Yeah. Because we've got, as leaders, we've got to try to stay at least a half a a step ahead of this thing. The third smart choice is to fuel curiosity. I have been asked if there is a leadership fountain of youth. And I, I I used to tell people, I hope so, but I don't know that there is. I, I now think there is, and it's curiosity. 
Yeah. It, it gives you vitality and it gives you relevance in a changing world. And the best leaders have said, I'm going to choose to fuel curiosity. And then fourth and finally, the smart leaders are the ones that choose to create change. Because I know this might sound crazy, but there are leaders who might be making the first three choices, but they can't pull the trigger for any number of reasons. And again, let's give you one example. I know leaders that know how to lead. They just don't have the energy to lead. They're exhausted. Well, they've not made the second choice of growing capacity. So that's their excuse for not creating change. Mm -hmm. We've got to create change to meet the demands of today and to ensure a better tomorrow. I mean, leaders can't look at change as a nuisance or as a distraction or as a bother because change is our job. Yeah. What are we paid for? Leaders are paid to create strategic, positive, sustainable change. Yeah. It's at the very essence of of our role and our responsibility and our stewardship is to take what we're leading to a better place. And so we've got to keep challenging leaders. Don't get caught up in all this other stuff because the reason you do those other things is to enable you to create change. Yeah. I think there's, there's a number of other areas that stop people from pulling the trigger in today's day and age. And you've said a few of them, fear, stolen focus as well. There's, there's also pressure, pressure points. And I think that if leaders can't uh, cope with the pressure, then they they make decisions too quick without that wisdom behind them. And therefore, it just falls flat on its face, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so, and I, I'll give you a couple more. A fixed mindset yep. versus a growth mindset. Uh, an external locus of control as opposed to an internal locus of control. These are all game changers, right? They're killers, right? For a leader. Um, one more that, that I see way too often is leaders that don't have a picture of a preferred future. Yeah. Like th- there's no urgency to change because they don't have any idea of what they would change to or what they would work towards. So I think the whole vision piece, the, the absence of vision is a huge impediment to change. Yeah, there's a verse in the Bible which says, when there is no vision, the people perish. And that's a leadership principle. Like, it's so true. It sure I is. always go back to it um, whenever I get stuck. But Well, so let me add one thing to that. I think it. it's true, but I think when there's no vision, the leader perishes too. Yeah, true. Not just the people. The, yeah. It's like people people want to know where, where are we going and why does it matter? Yeah. And leaders have got to be the ones to help sort through that. Yeah, that was a good, yeah, I like that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought of it like that before. You're giving me a lot to think about today. I like it. So good. good. my friend, you actually mentioned to me off air that this was a book that you've been writing for a long time. <laughs> so why, why now? Why now is, is the optimal time for you to get this book out into the world? Well, a couple of things. Um, All of my books, to the best of my ability, have been driven by need. The need of leaders, either near-term, a current need or near-term. I mean, I'm literally trying to, to see the unseen. I'm trying to figure out where's the puck headed 
on, on these issues. And I've kind of been chasing the ball all these years. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was several years ago that at least from my point of view, I saw more and more leaders struggling and I wanted to see how I might could help. Little did I know we were going to have this pandemic, which I think has just exacerbated the whole thing. I don't think it's raised new issues for leaders. I mean, there are a few periphery issues, but this whole thing of effectiveness, it was it was there as an issue before. And I think now it's been intensified. There was quicksand before, and I think it's thicker and deeper and colder and darker now. So some of the timing was me anticipating uh, or at least hoping that I could serve leaders who were struggling. And then I think the fact that the world has been flipped on side its head is uh, unfortunate for sure, but it makes the timing of this book even more perfect because I talk to leaders again, every, I, I want to say every day, but yeah, every day I talk to leaders who are struggling. Yeah. And so it was, it was an attempt to meet the felt needs of leaders and the timing has uh, been even more um, appropriate based on what we're facing in the world. In your experience, I totally agree with everything you just said there. With your experience growing up and, and looking throughout history and everything like that, is there one particular leader that stands out to you that resonates with you the most that you would say, oh, he's, he's my favorite leader or he's the best leader? Uh, yeah. Loaded question. <laughs> well, let me say this. I think the person that has influenced me the most on leadership is probably Peter Drucker. Oh. Um, Peter Drucker. Where do I was, know the name? Was well before his time. Um, the Effective Executive was one of his books. He was he did most of his work. 40, 50 years ago, but he was the source of the Nile. You go read his stuff and it's the stuff all the rest of us are talking about today in one form or another. Yep. Um, and so I think he had the most influence on my thinking. Even in the introduction of my book, I talk about his book, The Effective Executive, and I encourage people who are reading my book if they've not read The Effective Executive, you should put my book down and go read his book. Uh, the deal is his was written 60 years ago or so, and all the examples are from Vietnam and before. So if you want you know, something more current, then yeah, that's what I've tried to do. But I've picked up on his theme. His whole thing in that book was about helping leaders be more effective. I'm just trying to do that in the modern world. Mm. So he he has been a huge influence on my my leadership and my thinking on leadership. And don't forget to come back to your book after you finish Peter Drucker's. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you think it would help you. If you think it would help you. Maybe the value I add to the world is to point people to Drucker. I don't know. <laughs> You've written this great book and the only thing, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I've heard of Peter Drucker before, but I just couldn't picture where I've heard that name yeah. before and his work. Yeah. You ought, to, you ought to read The Effective Executive. It's just a little paperback book, but you'll see uh, entire leadership brands have been built on individual chapters in his book. Yeah. Okay. It's on my list now, on my ever-growing book list. <laughs> um, my friend, I am mindful of your time, so I've got uh, 
one final question for you. Before I ask the question, where do you want people to go and get a copy of your book? Where do you want them to connect with you and learn more about your work? Well, they can pre-order on Amazon. I don't know when this is coming out. Maybe the book will already be out, but it'll be available on Amazon. Uh, I have a site called markmillerleadership.com. And so people can find me there. Um, My cell number is 678-612-8441. I give that to people who want to send me questions. So, you know, between one of those sources, people can find me. Careful, your phone might be blowing up. <laughs> After this, you might not have time <laughs> to get to anyone, everyone. But no, Mark, I just appreciate everything that you've said today. I, I can relate to a lot of it. And in, in many ways, I've kind of written certain aspects of what you're saying in my book in my own way, which I like. It means that it's affirming <laughs> what I've learned in, in my my young life. But My final question for you, my friend, this is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? that Mark was a good steward of all that was entrusted to him. The relationships, the influence, the opportunities, the, the time, the treasure, uh, that, that he was a good steward of all that was entrusted to him. It's a perfect send off message. Mark Miller, thank you so much, sir, for your time today and your stories and for joining me on the Storybox podcast. Really do appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.